Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... So angry, I feel like swearing. Oh, Murray, you wouldn't swear at us. Go fuck yourself, prick! Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you wrote that article shitting on the people who actually put you in power, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, March 18th, 2016, So Long and Thanks for All the Votes editions, where we talk about the giant fuck you to the poor white people of America. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by OxyContin, taking away the pain of living. Are you an economically disenfranchised white person living in a rural area? Are you currently unemployed or underemployed? Do you experience chronic malaise? Feelings of hopelessness, extended depression, and a deep-seated resentment towards the Republican political establishment? Oxycontin can help. Not with any of those actual symptoms, but, you know, just snorting a few lines of this incredibly powerful opiate will help you not care so much about them anymore. When plain old booze just won't do, try Oxycontin, and you won't feel blue. If you would like to uh, sponsor the show, you probably have been doing a few lines of Oxy, so no. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the New West. You know. Morons. (laughs) Before we begin tonight, let us take a moment to remember the last best hope of the Republican Party. Senator Marco Rubio of Florida once widely considered by many, including me, to be the anointed one who runs against Hillary, is now a sad footnote of electoral history. Dubbed Little Marco by his tormentors, his utter failure to win his own home state doomed his candidate to an ignominious end at the hand of a cone-bover turd wrapped in an orange peel. Farewell, Marco. We barely knew ye. And maybe if you'd actually done something in your political career, we might even remember you. Now that we've poured one out for our fallen homie, let us turn to the topic of the week. Fuck you, poor white people! A national magazine ran not one, but two articles this week eviscerating poor white working rural-class voters. I mean, these attacks were vicious, mean-spirited, even cruel. In one article, the author says, You take an honest look at the welfare dependency, the drug and alcohol addiction, the family anarchy, which is to say, and I am quoting this article, this is not me, quote, the whelping of human children with all the respect and wisdom of a stray dog. And the top of the spite Sunday is this bilious cherry. 
Economically, they are negative assets. Morally, they are indefensible. Forget all your cheap theatrical Bruce Springsteen crap. Forget your sanctimony about struggling Rust Belt factory towns and your conspiracy theories about the wily Orientals stealing our jobs. Forget your goddamn gypsum. And if he has a problem with that, forget Ed Burke too. The white American underclass is in a thrall to a vicious, selfish culture whose main products are misery and used heroin needles. Donald Trump's speeches makes them feel good. So does OxyContin. Too mean. Sorry. Now, one could rationally assume that an attack with such a vitriol came from like a hard left magazine, the sort of pinko rag that believes that black lives matter and feels the bird. And one would be wrong because the article and subsequent defense, just as bitter if not more so, were published in the National Review. I'm sorry, I just started hearing really loud circus music in my head. What did you say? The National Review. That's right, the leading conservative landmark magazine, home to such leading lights of conservative thinking as William fucking Buckley. The National fucking review said that. Hey, damn, that's a cold-ass honky. Now, don't get me wrong... William F. Buckley was a blue-blood elitist asshole who wouldn't instruct his butler to urinate on a poor person if they were on fire in his marble foyer. So, this kind of sneering disdain for the unwashed masses is nothing new in conservative thinking. It's just that the right wing has studiously courted the very people that they despise for political power for 50-odd years now, so they never talked about it. The great unwashed were tolerated if only because... But it's all right, because it's all white. Now, with rural poor whites turning towards the tiny penis of the Republican Party instead of party patriarch-approved candidates, their usefulness, the slack-jawed morons, it's ended. They can be discarded like a pool boy who's late with your fresh towel. And it would be one thing for me to say vicious, mean-spirited things like this, because, you know... I have been for a while, but I'm a drunk asshole in a basement doing a podcast. True, true. But for the conservative media to just come out and trash the very people who for almost five decades formed the base of the Republican policy is shocking. Frankly, it's fucking disgusting particularly in light of the fact that the same five decades of Republican policies were designed to eviscerate the very institutions that provided for rural middle-class white voters and gutted the social safety net providing a backstop against rural poverty. Do you get your pants custom-tailored? No, you probably have to, with a set of balls that big. What a set they must be. Huge and shiny, I'll wager. Now, when the final fruits of that self-serving ethic are finally dropping from the tree like turds from a pig's ass, the conservative establishment is blaming the people that they created and then fucked over. Oh my god. I'm told by my family who live out in those godforsaken places that things are not going well in the flyover a quick Google News search for terms like rural America does not pull a Norman Rockwell-esque scene. Well, maybe if Norman painted a boarded-up storefront with a dilapidated 92 Chevy Cavalier parked in front, two 20-somethings passed out on the hood, while a third is selling off Grandma's pain meds. He might title it Tuesday before Grandma's check arrives. 
the kind of scenes rural white people, once associated with, you know, New York City in the 70s, are now Main Street, small town USA. And while urban poor have access to things like a strong social safety net because, you know, they, they live in a blue state, white rural poor are, for lack of a better word, fucked. Beginning in the 1970s and accelerating through the 80s and 90s, the manufacturing base of the United States, which used to be located out in the flyover, packed up and moved abroad. And I don't think I need to tell another rubber dick factory analogy here, or do I? Because I will. I've got a ton of rubber dick analogies. Gavin is either having a seizure or is waving me off telling me not to do that, so okay, Nothing replaced the jobs that left. I mean, literally nothing. It's not like the mill closed down in this town and another mill opened up in another town. The mill was closed down and a Walmart opened up. And it's not just the jobs, because there was a tax base that went with those manufacturing industries. And once those communities lost that tax base, they began cutting services. And eventually those cuts reached into things like the public school system, overcrowding classes, driving down the quality of education, and eventually spiking the dropout rate. While the rest of the country experienced an economic boom during the 90s, out in the hinterlands, the economy was slowly contracting. And by the early 2000s and into 2005 to 2007, the situation was critical, and then... The Great Recession. Which tore through the country and killed the last decent paying jobs available to an unskilled worker, housing construction. Fuck, it is like a fucking Springsteen song, isn't it? In essence, two generations of America were screwed over, though I gotta be honest with you, the country millennials took it up the ass far more than the country Gen Xers. That's the first time that ever happened. By this economic collapse, and they are in the midst of a social collapse. Drug abuse, prescription drugs mostly, though heroin is catching on big time, it's endemic. There are small towns in Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire that make the towers on the wire. Look like a Park Avenue penthouse. Add to this your now traditional meth, booze, and pot, you got a jumble of addictions that make the 80s look like a Mormon family cookout. No booze. What's the point? No education, no jobs, no hope. A person with even a hit of schadenfreude might look at the situation as kind of a poetic justice, since so many of these same locales were so adamant against things like civil rights or racial integration. But I'm trying to be the better person here right now. The thing is, none of this is an accident, and to a certain, very limited, exceedingly narrow, painfully delineated degree, Trump is, um, Trump is, um, come on, man, you can say it, you're a podcaster, Trump is right! Um, if you're gonna spew... Spew into this. (laughs) (coughs) 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 Sorry. The trade deals of the 90 did do a lot to create this void in middle America, but those deals are a product 
of history. The decline of the manufacturing base predates NAFTA by at least two decades, going back to the rise of Japanese imports in the 60s, the decline of American steel manufacturing in the 70s, the Reagan tax, quote, reforms, unquote, of the 80s, and then the trade deals of the 90s. Globalization isn't a thing that just happened. It's the product, it's an end product of the Industrial Revolution. So you can point to the Clinton-era trade deals and say, post hoc ergo propter hoc. Leo. After it, therefore, because of it. After it, therefore, because of it. It means one thing follows the other, therefore it was caused by the other. But as President Bartlett goes on to say, that's usually not true. And it's not in this case either. Now, couple that with something one can directly point to, the decline in the American public education system and the spike in college tuition. And I say this as a product of some fairly mediocre public schools in the 70s and 80s. They suck. Yeah. We spend double per child the amount of money other industrialized countries spend for the return of some very middle-tier performance when it comes to math and science. And forget about the soft subjects, you know, literature art, history, things like that. We don't rate those because who gives a shit, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can't build a computer with a fucking art degree, right? If a parent has the money for private schools, that dynamic changes a little bit, but when we're talking about white, lower, middle-class folks and rural areas... Private schools there are ran by churches, and those churches are not the Catholic church with a Jesuit tradition of actual education. They have a different bent. It's Jesus! Say hello, Jesus! So those STEM career fields, yeah, they're not getting taught there. Why did our schools suddenly start turning out students who on a good day can count to 11 with their shoes on? Well, see above, the tax base shrunk from the departing manufacturing jobs coupled with the Republican insistence on never raising a single tax ever. And boy, does that apply when it comes to local property taxes, which you may know actually fund schools. Local school districts in rural areas are painfully cash-strapped, which reduces teacher pay, which reduces the quality of the teachers they're hiring, in turn reducing the quality of the education. And so on, and so on, and so on. And now, you drop an economy where a four-year college degree replaces the high school diploma as an entry-level requirement. And a college degree clocks in at around $20,000 a year, counting room and board, at a generic state school. Double to triple that for a private university, where the chances for real money increase exponentially. I don't know about you folks, but eighty grand a child is just not in the cards for a family working at the Watkinsville Walmart. So Jaden and Beth Marie's chances post-graduation, assuming actually that they're fortunate enough to graduate from high school, they are take on a staggering student loan debt or get a job working at the other Watkinsville Walmart. I hear Fabrics has an opening. Or hey, you know what? Hey, why don't you join the service? Join the fucking service. Join up and die. How do you expect to keep the country free if you won't die? I'm dead. I died in World War II. I'm fucking dead. Can you say that? Come on, join up and die. Which, of course, is what I did. Well, I, I mean, I, I didn't die, but I joined the service. Uh, but a lot of other kids did join the service and die or come home without arms or legs or spouses. 
And that's really kind of a high price to pay for an alleged college tuition credit, which, according to the VA, only about half of them do. And far too many of those who enroll, they enroll in for-profit universities whose educations are, frankly... That is one big pile of shit. For the other half, or for those who don't, who do use their benefits and eventually drop out, or they find their choice of school offers the kind of placement assistance subpar to Uncle Murray, who knows a guy who knows a guy who might know an inn at the local rubber dick factory in Arkansas. What is with me and the dildo factory analogies? Honest to God, I need help. What this amounts to in toto... Damn it, Gavin, that's not the toto I meant. Much better. What it amounts to is a feedback loop of poverty, horrible education, and anger that feeds directly into the problem we are experiencing as a nation right now in the form of a glowing orange turd who has opened a conduit for all that rage to spew from his mouth like a broken sewer main during halftime of the Super Bowl. I'm not excusing the racism, the sheer bloody-minded xenophobia, the religious zealotry, or just pure fucking stupidity that comes for cheering for this authoritarian and populist demagogue. What I am saying is that there's a reason why people are so angry and stupid as to cheer for that authoritarian populist demagogue, and it's because the conservative establishment has created and cultivated that rage intentionally. They plowed the field with racism, planted it with seeds of fear, fertilized it with bullshit social issues, watered it with a cruel economic policy, and now they are harvesting a crop of pissed-off, poor white people who have no hope for a better future. Speaking historically, we are looking at a powerfully dangerous moment, the kind of moments that spark revolutions, and this jack-off flinging matches into the powder magazine could not give a fuck when it blows up because he's rich and lives nowhere near future ground zero. To watch any element of the Republican establishment straddle the same people they have fucked over and shit a turd right on their foreheads, it's fucking criminal. And these jack-off, douchebag motherfuckers who are writing these articles should be thrown in the trunk of a dilapidated 92 Chevy Cavalier driven out to the middle of Owsley County, Kentucky, the third poorest county in the nation, parked outside a defunct coal mine, and then we tell the locals who they are and what they said, and they'll take it from there. And I say all this with my hint of compassion, because there but for fortune go I. Were it not for a couple of key moments in my life, I would be one of the good old boys working a shit job in a backwater town in the middle of fucking nowhere. I look in the mirror and I see a Trump supporter staring back at me, if only one or two things have happened. And I've struggled as hard as I have to make ends meet. I fought not having a full college degree, even though, fuck, I know I'm as educated as, if not more so, than anyone who holds a PhD in my area of expertise. 
that being whiskey, 70s television, 80s pop music, 90s stand-up comedians. It's a niche specialty, but I guarantee you I could write a dissertation right now and pass the review. So I get it. I get the anger. I get the only reason that I am not one of the faded glory brand brown shirts is I got the fuck out of that god-awful place and I never went back. And that choice has cost me. It cost me to this day. I'm estranged from my family. I never got married. I don't own a home. And I'm probably overall less happy because I never went back because, as they say, ignorance is bliss. But at least... At least I've learned enough and I've experienced enough not to support Donald Trump. And I think that is totally worth it. That is it for our show this week. We thank the band Hypnostate for the music in the opening credits. And we thank you, my dear listeners, for listening to my drunken rantings. If you like what you hear or hate what you fear... Rate and review this show on iTunes and Stitcher. Follow the show at the hell underscore podcast on Twitter or the show name on Facebook. All of the shows are at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. You know, we are coming up on a year here in about a month. Now, I know this is episode 52, which would make you think with a weekly show, that would be the year. But yeah, we drink a lot and we don't really know how to count. But we've got to say that a really big show is coming up in mid-April. I mean really big. And by really big, I probably mean a clip show. So if you've got like suggestions for things that you want to hear over the past 52 episodes, uh, you should write in to whatthehellpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure, as always, to include in the subject line... Fuck you, Gavin. For me, Dave Bledsoe, and all the fictional good old boys and girls who never meant no harm, we would like to say for the Republicans, so long and thanks for all the votes. So sad to come to this. We probably weren't that clear. You never shared our intellect, which explains our disrespect for all the shitty things we did to you. So, so long, so long, so long, and thanks for all the votes. See you guys next week. We thought that most of you were sweet Especially tiny tops and your pregnant women So long, so long, so long, so long, so long Seltzer Kings Podcasts.